Welcome to the Way Church Service at Greystone with Pastor John. We invite you to join us at 1 Oakley Avenue in North Providence, Rhode Island. This podcast is presented to you by The Way Ministries, supported by listeners like you. For donations, live videos, podcasts, and more, please visit www.thewayministriesri.org. Thank you and have a great day. Merry Christmas! All right. I want to welcome everybody to the Way Church Christmas service, our first annual Christmas service at Greystone. I'd like to thank everyone for coming out this morning to get a portion of God's Word. First and foremost, I'd like to thank our Lord and Savior this morning, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus, for making this all possible for us by going to the cross, shedding his blood for the forgiveness of our sins, and becoming the final sacrifice for our sins. So we can have a new life, spiritual life, eternal life, a new purpose here on planet Earth for all who believe in the one and only Son of God. We gather here to learn about our Creator and find our purpose here and use it to glorify God and to serve our Lord and Savior and one another. Our goal, this ministry has a specific goal, and that is to grow spiritually and start to handle life God's way, not our way. God's Word, which is the Bible, becomes the owner's manual to our lives. And we study it, read it, learn it, and apply it to see how God wants us to live, how to think, how to act, how to serve, and how to treat ourselves and others. Thank you, Jesus. Each part of his body is very precious to God. One body, many parts. I'm going to personally welcome all of you to the way. We depend on God's grace and not our own power to accomplish his will for our lives. Also, I want to say Merry Christmas to our family we're watching on the live feed who can't be with us with here this morning. I hope you can worship with us in unity of the spirit. We love you all and thank you for your continued support. And if you do have a cell phone, can you please silence it so it doesn't disturb this morning's service? And we will start with a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus, thank you for giving us this beautiful day, Lord, on Christmas, the very day we're celebrating your birth, Lord, and giving us an opportunity to gather together to worship, honor, and glorify you, Lord. Thank you for getting us here safely, Lord. Help us, Lord, and open our hearts this morning, Lord, to you, Lord, as you open our hearts and help us open other hearts this morning as we go through this Advent Christmas season, Lord. We're just so grateful for your birth that you came to save us, the greatest gift of all, Lord. Help us never forget that Jesus is the reason for the season, and we're here to worship and honor you this morning, Lord. And thank you for all you do in all of our lives, Lord Jesus. We honor you and glorify you, Lord. I pray for the people that might be sick, Lord, that you pray for our brother George, that you heal his body quickly and bring him back to us, Lord. We're grateful for that. And anybody else who might not be feeling well, Lord, that you enter their lives, heal them, touch their lives, and bring them closer to you, Lord. As you promised, you'd never leave no one or forsake them, Lord. And we're eternally grateful for that, Lord. Thank you for the faithful followers of the way, Lord, as we keep the church going, Lord. One body, many parts, Lord. And as always, let everything we do be led by your spirit this morning, Lord, and not our flesh. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen, amen and amen. All right, we're going to stand. Brittany's going to come up and sing. I'm going to get started.
Boy, are we blessed to have that beautiful voice, beautiful church this morning, right? Amen. Beautiful Savior, by my name. Thank you, Jesus. All right, we're going to watch a short video clip before we get started.
Yeah, right, huh? You're beautiful. Wake up, come on. All right. Merry Christmas. <laughs> what a beautiful day to celebrate Jesus' birth, right? Right on Sunday, on Christmas Day, you can roll them cameras. We're just grateful. Today is the fifth sa sa uh, Sunday of Advent. We are going to light the candle, the fifth one. Of our Savior, honored to have the service. What a way to have, right? What a what a gift to have Jesus as on a, his birthday on a Sunday, and this is the first time that the Wayne Ministries owns the church. <laughs> I'd like to thank everybody who participated with that. My brother Craig Cello. Paul Harrison, all the members of the body that helped along with this, Brittany, Laurie, all of us, we're really grateful to go through this endeavor. It's been exactly a year since we went on this mission, and finally, we settled. Amen. Right on Jesus' birthday, what a better way, huh? Right. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you know I'm going to say it, one body, many parts, all of us had a role in this, and we're just so grateful, and I'm excited to see what the the new year is going to bring for us as we bring others into the kingdom. Amen. All of us have this uh, job to do. And I'm just grateful for each and every one of you as we all have different gifts in the body. As one body, many parts. There's so many things to do in the church. And we're grateful for everyone who's been faithful. And we're going to remain faithful to keep it going. Amen? Amen. All right. I would like to take a moment to wish everybody a very Merry Christmas. Okay? During this season, we'll be celebrating the season of Advent. Hope, peace, love, and joy in the birth of Jesus, our Savior. I pray that all five of these will fill your life in every way this Christmas and beyond. I am grateful to God this Christmas. As in all previous years, we celebrate Emmanuel, God with us. Without Christ's presence among us, we will be lost. Through God's presence working within us, we are being healed, transformed, reconciled, and made whole. I hope all of you have a fantastic Christmas. Let us pray. This Advent, Lord, come to the manger of our hearts. Fill us with your presence from the very start. As we prepare for the holidays and gifts to be given, remind us of the gift you gave when you sent your son from heaven. The first Christmas gift, it was the greatest gift ever. You came as a baby born in a manger, wrapped like the gifts I find under my tree, waiting to be opened to reveal your love to me. Restore to us the wonder that came with Jesus' birth when he left the riches of heaven and wrapped himself in rags of earth. Emmanuel, God with us, your presence came that night, and angels announced, into your darkness God brings his light. Do not be afraid, they said to the shepherds in the field. Speak to our hearts today, O Lord, and help us to yield. Make us like those shepherds' boys, obedient to your call. Setting distractions and worries aside, to you we surrender them to all. Surround us with your presence, Lord. We long to hear your voice. Clear our minds of countless concerns and all the holiday noise. Slow us down this Christmas. Let us not be in a rush.
In the midst of parties and planning, we want to feel your hush. This Christmas, Jesus, come to the manger of our hearts. Invade my soul like Bethlehem, bringing peace to every part. Dwell within and around us as we unwrap your presence each day. Keep us close to you, Lord, and it is your wonderful name, Jesus the Christ, we pray. Amen. All right. What a great day. The greatest present of all. Jesus coming into the world. I have the privilege to do two services. Tired and weary, but the Holy Spirit keeps us going. Amen. As we keep moving forward with the ministry. Christmas is an awesome time of the year. It really is. I know the pagan origins of the custom, but I'd like to look at it the way Martin Luther did. Okay, as a symbol of everlasting life. As I've grown older, I've come to appreciate the positive side of Christmas much more. In a culture that has become increasingly secular, where it is politically incorrect to even mention the name of the Lord Jesus, lest we offend someone. I think it's awesome that Christmas brings some of the greatest truths of the gospel to light in public where our roots as a Christian nation are showcased. When else can you enter into a store and hear some of the greatest Christian songs ever written being played like Joy to the World? That's awesome. You'll see displays of the nativity scene in places that only mention of the Lord at other seasons would be to take his name in vain. People talk about loving one another as God loved us by sending his son to earth. We are reminded of values that are forgotten or at least diminished in other times of the year. And if it weren't for the Christmas holidays, family relationships would be worse than they already are. <laughs> this is the only time many families make an attempt to get along. In the fight against the dechristianizing de of our nation, I think that Christmas celebration is a great victory for our nation. I take pleasure in seeing the wonderful truths of God's love for man displayed in public and having concerts in such places as the White House, where Christ is being proclaimed in a song. It's a shame that some people only go to church at Christmas, but praise God, at least they go then. That's an opportunity. And Christmas opens up many opportunities to share our faith. One complaint that I still have is the Christmas story has become so familiar and has focused so narrowly on only the birth of the baby Jesus that some of the great truths present in that miraculous birth are not seen. Some of the greatest lessons in the scripture are hidden in the account of Christ's birth. And the average person is totally oblivious to them. For that reason, I'm going to make a message about the Christmas story. I want to share what I consider to be some of the most important things the Lord has ever shown to me. Did you realize that the virgin birth of Jesus was totally normal in every respect except one? Mary didn't become pregnant without contact with a seed. The laws of reproduction that God created weren't suspended. Everything was exactly like all the millions of other births except that God used the seed of his word instead of the seed of a man to get Mary pregnant. That's why John 1.14 tells us, please turn with me there. We are using the black Bibles in the pews. Please help yourself to them as the Holy Spirit takes over as I read the scriptures. 
John 1, verse 14. Like the video clip we just watched, God spoke the world into existence. That's how powerful his word is. That's how powerful his word is. That's why it's the word of God that saves us and sustains us and keeps that new heart beating every day. Without the word of God, we'd all be lost. That's why John 1.14 tells us, so the word became human or became flesh and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. Or he was filled with grace and truth. And we have seen this glory. The glory of the Father's one and only Son. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. How about a big amen there? Amen. Jesus was literally God's Word becoming flesh. God used his Word as the seed that conceived Jesus. This answers a lot of questions. Questions like, why did the Lord wait 4,000 years after the fall of man before he sent Jesus to the earth? Why did God have to become a man? The answers to these questions lie in the way God made creation. The authority he gave man and the integrity of his word. When God created the heavens and the earth, he spoke them into existence. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 11, please. Is everybody with me so far this morning? Amen. Hebrews chapter 11. We are going to be going through the scriptures today, so keep that Bible open. <laughs> Remember, Jesus fought the devil with scripture. And the only way we're going to get victory is fighting him with scripture. So we have to retain that. Repetition is the key to retention. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 3, tells us clearly, by faith we understand that the entire universe was formed as God's command, or by the word of God, that what we now see did not come from anything that can be seen. We understand that. So God created everything by his word. That's how he creates. When it came, when it came time to create the last Adam, Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. 1 Corinthians 15. Verse 45. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45 tells us. I'll give you a minute to get there. <laughs> did I tell everybody to smile this morning? I don't think I did. Come on. Smile. Smile. The angels are smiling this morning. They're with us. God appoints a guardian angel to every one of his believers to help him along on his journey. You might not see it, but you better believe it. Look at 1 Corinthians 15, verse 45. <clears throat> the scriptures tell us 
the first man, Adam, became a living person. Genesis 2.7. But the last Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. What comes first is the natural body. Then the spiritual body comes later. Adam, the first man, was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Earthly people are like the earthly man, us in nature. And heavenly people are like the heavenly man, born again in the spirit. All right? God had to speak him into existence. Now listen, however, he had given dominion over the earth to physical human beings. Okay? Since God is a spirit, John 4, 24, he couldn't just speak Christ into existence independent of man. Okay? He had turned the control or dominion of the earth over to man. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. Okay? That's why God had to become a man. But how could he work through sinful, corrupt man to create a redeemer? He spoke to the hearts of men who would listen to him, and they in turn would use their God-given authority over the earth to speak out the prophecies that God had placed in their hearts. The problem was that men had become separated from God through their sins. No one man was in tune closely enough to God to speak everything that needed to be spoken. So it took about 4,000 years to complete the prophecies that had been spoken to create the body for God to become flesh. Then when Mary received the message of Gabriel, she humbled herself and said, in Luke chapter 1, verse 38, go with me there, please. We're going to get a good understanding of this this morning. In Luke chapter 1, verse 37. So she humbled herself and said in Luke 1, verse 37, For the word of God will never fail. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Amazing. She received God's word or God's spirit into her womb. Okay? And the conception of the Messiah took place. Likewise, that our 1 Peter 1.23 says, we are born again. I'll read it to you. How's that? I'll give you a little, so your fingers don't get tired. <laughs> Okay, so it says in verse 1 Peter 1, 23, For you have been born again, but not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal, living word of God. Being born again is not a corruptible seed, but of incorruptible by the word of God, which liveth and abide forever. God's word is a spiritual seed that has to be planted in our hearts to conceive the miracle. See, it's the seed of God's word that goes into our hearts and gives us the new birth. The new birth just doesn't happen any more than babies just happen. Children have to be conceived and so does salvation or any other miracle from God. 
Okay? We have to be born again by the incorruptible seed of God's word. 1 Peter 1, 23. Once a seed is planted, there is a nurturing and maturing process. Okay? That's where the prayers come in. Prayer is like water and fertilizer or incubation to a seed. Okay? But if you water or fertilize barren ground, nothing will happen. There has to be the planting of a seed first. Likewise, we have mistakenly tried only to only pray our miracles into existence. Prayer is important, but you can't conceive through prayer. The seed of God's word has to be sown first. As it tells us in Romans chapter 10, verse 14, go with me there. I'm not getting, you're not getting away with that one. You're going there. Romans chapter 10. <laughs> Is everybody with me so far? All right. The seed of God's word, that's how powerful it is. That word comes in deep inside of us, and it takes root in our heart, and it starts to grow. And before any fruit can be, like any other tree, before any fruit can be shown, that tree has to grow and mature before the fruit starts showing up. So the seed gets planted in our heart the moment of salvation. But before anything ever shows up, it takes time to grow. As you water the word and fertilize it, then you start seeing some fruit, boop, comes out. You get kind, a little kinder. You say no to a couple of things to your sinful nature. Things start to change as that seed takes root and starts to grow inside of you. But it's a process and it takes time. We have to understand the sanctification process. It goes on to our whole life. As the spirit, as the new seed fights the old seed. The old seed wants corruption and selfishness. The new seed was full of life and what? Selflessness and wants to help and give, right? And serve. There's always a constant fight there. All right, is everybody in Romans chapter 10? Look at verse 14. The seed of God's word has to be sown first, as Romans 10, 14 to 17 says. But how can they call or pray on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring the good news. Isaiah 52, 7. Now, here's the Bible, but verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? Isaiah 53, 1. So faith comes from hearing, that is, hearing the good news about Christ. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. We would consider, now listen, a woman crazy was trying to have a child without following the natural laws of reproduction. But in the spiritual realm, Christians try to give birth to or pray for miracles all the time without planting God's word in their heart first. Everybody wants prayer, but they haven't got God's word in their heart yet. So God doesn't hear their prayer. We're separated from God until we accept Jesus Christ as our Savior. So God's not hearing an unbeliever's prayer until the word gets planted in their hearts and they get saved. If we're going to pray for anybody, we pray for their salvation first. And then the healing. Because if they're not saved, God's not hearing the prayer. Can I get an amen for this? When we pray for people that are sick, if they're saved, then we pray that God's seed helps and heal them. 
But if they're not saved, we pray that they find salvation first, and then God provides the healing. You have to understand the process. Okay. It just doesn't work that way. But a lot of people say, oh, can you pray for them? Pray for them. Yeah, we want to pray for them if they're believers. But if they're unbelievers, we pray for their salvation first. Because God is not hearing an unbeliever's prayer until they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And this is the best time to find them. Christmas Day. The world is open to the Christmas message. Even people that never listen, they'll hear them say Merry Christmas. Some are offended, but most people in America still accept Merry Christmas and a Christmas tree. They still do. Even though we know that the Christmas but the Christmas tree, it represents eternal life because it's an evergreen. An evergreen represents everlasting life, which is Jesus Christ. That's why they relate the tree to it. Through the whole winter, it stays green. Okay, now, yeah, that's why. It's an evergreen. That's why the wreath, all this stuff is green because it never dies. Just like the word of God never dies and Jesus never died. He died once for our sins and he rose again forever so we don't have to die anymore. We're not going to be dead from our sins. All right. And then there's the message of the angels that said in Luke 2.14. I'll read it to you. How's that? I'll give you a break. Oh, you can go there. It's up to you. I said it last night. But glory to God in the highest heaven. And peace on earth to those with God whom God has pleased. Who, what, what pleases God? Except in his son. Pleases God. And then what? As he plants the seed, we become obedient. We love him so much, we just become obedient. Now, are we perfect? No. But he's perfecting us. We want to be more and more better. We want to be more and more like Christ. But we have a struggle that goes on within us. This nasty flesh of ours just doesn't want God. It wants what it wants. And then it drowns out what God wants. And we have this fight all the time. But this time of the year, most Christians are really open to the message about Jesus. Even if they're going to re recommit. God's always there ready to open his arms again as any prodigal comes back to the Lord. Amen? He never leaves us nor forsakes us. Now it says, glory in God is pleased. This is not an announcement of an end of hostilities among men. History has proven that can't be what the angels were proclaiming, okay? Instead, this was the proclamation of the war between God and man was over. Okay? That's not been understood or proclaimed by the church as a whole. Most people think God is still mad at them. That is just not so. He's not mad. He's not even in a bad mood, okay? God doesn't get in a bad mood, all right? We do. God's never in a bad mood. <laughs> Jesus satisfied his wrath completely. He took it all. He is just, and there will be punishment for those who refuse the sacrifice of his son for our sins. But God is not angry because of our sins. They have been taken care of. The gospel of peace is the one reason there is such a universal acceptance of the Christmas season, even among those who were not born again. Christmas is all about God's love and mercy, not his damnation. It's spotlighting God's unconditional love for us the way it should be done all year long. Christmas season, 
God's unconditional love should be shown to every believer's heart all season long, not just at Christmas. That's why it's good, like we have the traditions of, of Advent where we can celebrate that all month. Oh, peace. And we can, we can focus on that. Traditions are good. It keeps us focused on the good stuff that God did for us. There's nothing wrong with traditions as long as you don't make them laws. They're good reminders. We constantly got to get reminded because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is. We're all in a world full of flesh. It wants what it wants, what it wants, and it draws us back in. We can't help it. We're in, we're in it. Okay? Look, it's focusing on the good news of God's love at Christmas time, not the bad news of our failures. That's the gospel of peace and that the angels were singing about and that should be our messages too. The message also reminds us of the true meaning of Christmas and what it means to experience God's presence with us in kindness towards us. Matthew 1.23 announces the birth of Jesus saying, the virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which is God with us. How about a big amen there? God said he's with us. Now, is God a feeling? Do we feel God sometimes? Sometimes when we're keyed in spiritually, we're having a great spiritual day, you sense God all around you, and he's just showering you with his, with his love, and you just, you're connected. And there's other days when all hell's breaking loose. And you can't sense him at all. Where are you, Lord? I look to the left, but I know you're there. Job was saying, I look to the left, I can't see you. I look to the right, I can't find you, but I know you're there. You see, when we get tested by God, the teacher is always silent during the test. After he showers you with this compassion and love that you feel that time, now you're going to get prepared. Now he's going to test you to see if you really believe him or if it's just some kind of feeling. See, because God's not a feeling, it's a fact. He says, I'll never leave you nor forsake you, and I want you to change into the image of my son. And I want you to handle these things I put in front of you the way Jesus would. So every time you get up as a believer and go out into the world, God goes ahead of you and he sets that all up for you. All the adversities and the problems, because there is no growth without resistance. So God sends us out to grow us up and train us to not go by emotions anymore, but to walk by faith, that he's with us and he's never going to leave us. Okay? The God of the universe, the one who created us, came down to us. He tasted thirst and felt hunger. He shivered in the cold and laid his head on the bare ground to sleep. He wept with friends, overwhelmed by grief, and watched as everyone walked away from him in his darkest hour. His ministry was unexpected, modeled after a humble servant instead of a stately king. Right? Matthew summarized his mission saying, in Matthew 12, now go with me. Matthew chapter 12. So I was, I was getting messages prepared. And I said, well, I'll do the same one twice. I can't do the same message twice. 
So that took twice as much time to get two different messages together. I said, okay, Lord, you're going to have to do it because I'm exhausted. They worked me to death all week long in the shop to get everything out for Christmas. I'm like, let's see, the Holy Spirit, just keep me going. And he does. And what keeps me going? Love. The love of God and the love of God's people keeps me focused and energetic, knowing that good things come to those who wait on the Lord. What we do while we're waiting is what counts. All right, Matthew chapter 12, verse 17. This fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah concerning him. Look at my servant whom I have chosen. He is my beloved who pleases me. I will put my spirit upon him and he will proclaim justice to the nations. He will not fight or shout or raise his voice in public. He will not crush the weakest reed or put out a flickering candle. Finally, he will cause justice to be victorious and his name will be the hope of all the world. That was the prophecy, Isaiah 42, verses 1 to 4. No pomp or proclamations. Jesus spent his ministry among the sick, outcast, and isolated. He came to bring hope to those who had none. And as his followers, we can share his eternal hope with those around us and around the world. Help from our born-again hands. So many people feel like a bruised reed or smoldering wick. They suffer under injustice. But we can help relieve their suffering and offer them an opportunity to learn about their eternal hope. Each of the individuals Jesus helped not only received help for their urgent needs, they also had the opportunity to learn about the eternal hope of Jesus. Hope for us. As you look towards Christmas, maybe you too long for hope. You have known injustice, you have felt bruised, barely existing. Remember, even in our brokenness, Jesus is with us. Even with our brokenness, Jesus is with us. He feels our sorrow. He knows our anxieties. He wants you to experience his hope. How do you experience something? You experience it by putting it into practice. You put the hope of the Bible into practice when the anxieties come. The Bible says, fear not. I didn't give you a spirit of fear, of timidity, or anxiety, but of what? Power, love, and a sound mind. And you reject the thoughts that are coming into your mind. And you put the scripture into your mind instead. Jesus fought the scripture, the devil, by for it is written. He who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. And the devil comes in through what? All the, all the, all the problems, right? Selfishness, fear, anxiety, right? Worry, right? Resentment and bitterness that the devil puts into our spirit. It drowns out God's spirit. God's saying no. Like, like uh, the Pac-Man thing I said. Come. And he chops out the anxiety. Then he comes and eats the fear and all the rage. But if you let, if you let the flesh win, the flesh comes and 
James are all the love and the hope and the joy in Christ. Whatever you feed is going to win. So what do you do when that, that nasty devil comes into your mind trying to treat him? What do you do? You pray. No, I reject that thought. And then what do you do? You, you fellowship with other believers. You get in the word of God. You rely on the promises of God. Don't ever rely on people when the devil's attacking you. You've got to rely on the word of God. Go in the scriptures and remember what he said. I promised I'll never leave you nor forsake you. But Lord, I feel so lonely. I said I promised I'll never leave you. And I am with you, my child. And reject the devil. You have the power. See, before we got born again, we had no power to reject the devil. He came in and he chopped us up, made us fearful, anxiety, selfish. Why on my way? It's all about me. Then Jesus came in and he started chewing that up. And he started softening your heart. He took that heart of stone of law and gave you a heart of flesh, of love and compassion and joy and hope and peace. But we don't have to have that for one month. We have that for the rest of our lives. It's in us and with us. Can I get an amen for this? As you consider the hope of Jesus, also think about how you can share it with others. Maybe it's dropping by a neighbor's home for a short visit, letting them know they're not forgotten. Or maybe just shooting somebody a text, letting them know you're thinking about them. Simple, simple like that. Letting somebody know that you're on their mind. That they're on your mind. Maybe it's serving someone in your community who needs a helping hand. Or maybe it's being generous to someone like the adopting a family like we do sometimes. We didn't do it this year because we couldn't find anybody. But we've done it before. Families in need. There's plenty of needs out there of help and hope at Christmas. How does God with us apply to your life this Christmas? How can you share his hope with someone else today or all year long? All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians 13. Let's go there now. Come on now. Let's talk about what Jesus did for us. Let's see what he gave us, what this precious pearl is all about, what the whole Bible is about. I'm going to read verse 1, and when we hit verse 4, guess what? We're all going to say it. And he's going to explain why love is the greatest. Love conquers everything. If I could speak all the languages of earth and angels, but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now, there's people that study the Bible day and night religiously, but their heart is hot as a rock. No love in them. Knowledge, tons of it. See, the intellectual mind doesn't have love. And then it says, if I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains, but I didn't love others, I would be nothing. So you could learn the Bible, study it, but never what? Love anybody? And you exact, you got nothing out of this. Nothing, zero. It's called, you're called a Pharisee. If I gave everything I have to the poor, now we got people that give, right? If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. You ready? Love is patient and kind. 
Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wrong. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. I only heard by two people. Where are you reading from? First Corinthians 13. No? All right, we're going to do it again. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're all going to say it. I'm, going to, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to hear you. We're not going to miss this this morning. I'm going to drill this in your head, whether you like it or not. Just like the devil tries to drill hatred into your heart, we're going to let Jesus drill love into your heart. That's what it's all about. Okay, 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 4. Is everybody there? All right, let's try this again as a family. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It is not demand its own way. It is not irritable. It keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That's much better. There we go. Now that's the church. That's the church that we're building here. We're built on that. On Christ, the solid rock we stand, all other ground is sinking sand. Love for God, love for self, and love for others. What is it? Joy. Jesus first, others second, and yourself last. And then you'll be fulfilling everything that Bible was written about. How about a big amen there? <laughs> That's much better. All right. <laughs> now I'm happy because I see love. People come into this church and they sense the spirit of love. And we cannot give something to someone we do not possess. See, all of us possess the love of Jesus, but we have to what? Proclaim that love through our actions and show that love when somebody's hurting coming through the door. You don't ask them where you've been. You say, welcome home. You found your home. You found your way back, like the prodigal. The father didn't go chasing the prodigal, but the father was waiting with his arms open and he threw a party for one, right? Like Jesus said, if you know, if you got 99 sheep in the herd in the kennel and one gets away, which one do you go after? You go after the one that sways, but instead of you rejoice over the one you get back, the 99, then the 99 that already stayed there. Amen? Because people wander. It's just thoughts what bring them back. Get them back home, back in the sheepfold. Amen? Or the spirit. Take this time this year to remember why we're buying gifts and putting up decorations. Because God gave his son to us to make us part of his family, we give to others. Love is kind. And so because God loved us, we should show kindness to others. If we are Christ followers, then we're part of his church, and it's our job to share him with those who don't know him. And if you can't talk about him, what's the next best thing? To be like him. 
So during this holiday season, hopefully when everyone around you is feeling kinder, more charitable, and cherishing their family time, don't neglect Jesus, the true meaning of Christmas. So Merry Christmas and God bless to all. The service is over. We're going to call the ushers to come up and Merry Christmas to all of you. Thank you. Merry Christmas. Amen. All right. Thanks, Joe. 
Thanks, Drew. Merry Christmas, everybody. Have a great day. Until we meet again, God bless. Peace. Peace.